RadioInfluence.com. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Hey, good evening and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Badge. I want to get right into it tonight because we got a lot to cover. Uh, I am just back from the Bahamas. I took my son over there this past Friday for his 16th birthday. Uh, He had a blast. It was his first time ever on a cruise. We were supposed to go last year. It got canceled because of a hurricane, but we were able to get out there this Friday. His birthday was Saturday. He turned 16. We spent the day in Nassau snorkeling. We actually got to uh, do a lot of stuff out in Nassau. It was a good time, some good father and son quality time, which was much needed. He's been doing what he's supposed to do this year in school. He's been busting his butt in school, getting his grades where they should be. And hey, I couldn't ask for anything more. So to treat him, I surprised him last week and told him, hey, we're going to the Bahamas for your birthday. He had a blast. Not too many 16-year-olds get to say they went to the Bahamas for their birthday. And I was very, very fortunate and blessed to be able to do that for him. And you know, as as we were walking down the street in Nassau, I saw a bunch of police officers. And, you know, they're just out riding their bikes and they're joking and they're laughing and, you know, talking with people. And as I'm, as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, well, dang, that's not like that in the U.S. Police don't have that relationship that joking, happy relationship with the people. Now, granted, 99% of the people in Nassau are tourists. They're just there having a good time. And, of course, they're going to be joyful. But I did see the police there interacting with the locals, and it was much different than it is in the United States. And it made me wonder, why can't we get that here? But then I thought about it, and... I remembered that here in the U.S., we make everything about race, not law. We make everything about race and not law. And that's part of the bigger problem that we face here in the U.S. when it comes to police and community. But anyway, the next night we were, the next day we were in Coco Cay, Bahamas. And if you've ever been over there, you know it's just a small island with a lot of water and a lot of iguanas, uh, but we were there Sunday. We got back Monday morning early. It was pretty cool because we pulled into Port Canaveral, Florida, and uh, as we pulled in, the ship captain said, hey, we're on a countdown. The shuttle's about to launch, and we just happened to be in the dining facility and got a chance to watch the shuttle launch live. I got some good video of it which was pretty cool because how often do you get to see a shuttle launch, right? You don't really often unless you're watching it on TV. But I had four very good relaxing days out of the country. And when I stepped foot back in the country and turned my phone back on, of course, I start seeing all the stories of just destruction here in the United States. And one of the things that struck me A couple of things struck me, but one of the things that struck me uh, was the shooting in San Diego, California, where a gunman opened fire, 
uh, at a party, I guess that was going on at an apartment complex. Uh, he killed one person, shot, I believe, seven. They were all black. One was Latino. Police are saying race wasn't a factor. This guy apparently was distraught over a breakup that he just had with his girlfriend, uh, this 49-year-old 40, Peter Sellis. Uh, so what he did, he actually called his girlfriend right before the shooting so she could hear what was going on. And it reminded me so much of this uh, Steve Stevens in Cleveland just a few weeks ago where he shot the old man uh, on Easter Sunday because of a breakup with his girlfriend. And it made me wonder, is it that serious where you're so distraught because of a breakup that you have to go out and kill and injure innocent people? But San Diego police uh, responded to the scene. Of course, the gunman who was still armed uh, was shot and killed by police after a confrontation with them. And it just makes me think that I I've said it before. I'll say it again. I never leave home without being armed. And this just goes to show you that at any given moment, something, someone could snap for whatever reason, whether it's a breakup, whether they're suicidal, whatever, they can just snap and want to cause cause damage, cause death. And you should always be prepared. That's just my opinion. Now, it's easy to say you should always be prepared. But when you're at a pool party at your apartment complex, are you really thinking of things like that? No, not really. Who is? But I urge anyone to always, always, always watch your surroundings, watch who's there, watch their movements, and watch their body language. And and what do I mean by that? Well, one witness to the shooting that was not shot said that the shooter actually showed up. It's hot. It's San Diego. Now keep in mind, it's San Diego. It's almost May, and he shows up wearing a heavy black jacket on a hot San Diego day. And to me, the cop in me says when someone has on a heavy, heavy jacket on a very hot day, they're hiding something. So what happened, the, the person that was celebrating his birthday knows this shooter, walks up to him and says, hey, man, why don't you come over and get some chips, whatever. And instead of saying, yeah, I'm going to get chips, he just pulls out the gun from his waistband in this heavy black jacket and he starts shooting. So I urge everyone seriously in this day and age, watch your surroundings, watch people's actions, watch their eyes, watch their movements and watch anything that doesn't make sense. If it's 90 degrees out and someone has on a long black trench coat, chances are something's about to go down that you need to get away from. Now I want to go over to uh, Dallas, Texas. Well, just outside Dallas, Texas, uh, suburb, Balk Springs, uh, Texas. And I'm sure you've heard by now the shooting death of 15-year-old Jordan Edwards. Um, he was a black male shot, uh, I believe, Sunday by Balk Spring Police Department. And... Uh, it looks like there's been some contradiction to the original count 
account of the shooting. So let me just give you the, the background. Police received a 911 call around 11 p.m. Uh, saying there were a bunch of kids uh, being drunk and disorderly, uh, basically at a house party. Uh, Jordan Edwards was the front seat passenger in this vehicle, and there were, I, I believe, four other teens inside the vehicle. Police initially said that the vehicle was backing up in an aggressive manner, and police shot because of an imminent threat against their lives and struck the front seat passenger. Well, later, the police chief uh, of that town, police chief Jonathan Haber, came out and said the initial reports were wrong. Body cam and dash cam actually showed the vehicle was driving forward as the officers were approaching. Now, it gets interesting that for whatever reason, the officers gave a different account than what the dash cam and body cam showed and Jordan Edwards was killed by uh, a rifle, according to the medical examiners. And I do expect this case to get much traction. Of course, we have all the elements that we've seen in the past. A black male, unarmed, shot by, assumingly, a white police officer. And it does bring into question, though, why the officer said the vehicle was backing up towards them in an aggressive manner when the video shows something totally different. Now, I, I surely don't want to jump to conclusions and say the officers lied initially. It could be that in the heat of the moment, their mind saw something else. It could be that the account was told from a different perspective of someone that wasn't there. It could be a lot of factors. I, I don't want to jump to conclusions. Uh, of course, the family is immediately calling for, especially since the medical examiner has ruled this death a homicide, of course, calling for charges uh, to be brought against the officer. Only one officer, I believe, fired into the vehicle. And, of course, the chief doing what he's supposed to do is not releasing the video right now because, of course, it's part of the, invest the investigation. He doesn't want to jump to conclusions. Uh, he wants this case to be investigated the way it should be. And I agree with that. We don't need to release the video right now. We need to investigate things. It's definitely tragic that uh, Jordan Edwards, who appeared to be a, a great kid, straight A student at his high school on the football team, uh, loved by everyone. It is definitely tragic. But in a case like this, you definitely don't want to jump to conclusions. Maybe there's something in the video that may tell a different story. We don't know. Uh, but one thing the police chief did say was the shooting did not uh, meet its department's core values. Not exactly sure what that means. I think what he's trying to say there is what he saw in the video doesn't justify the officer shooting. That's the only thing I could assume because the core values is something totally different in my mind of what he's thinking about as far as use of force or what he's describing as a use of force. So I, I'm assuming what he means is whatever was in the video does not justify deadly force. Now, remember, we've talked about on this show, uh, I believe the uh, officer here in Atlanta that shot at a moving vehicle uh, that he thought was approaching him in a threatening manner. 
And, you know, there's a lot of things that you have to take into account when you're looking at cases like this, right? Could the officer get out of the way? Was there an immediate imminent threat against that officer's life? If he did not pull the trigger, would he be struck by the vehicle? Would his partners be struck by the vehicle? Would the public be struck by the vehicle? Did that vehicle pose an imminent threat to officers or the public if it wasn't stopped? All of this stuff has to be taken and in, taken into consideration when you're looking at this case. But again, based on what the chief said, I'm curious to see what that video showed. And of course, the video won't be released for quite some time. But for the chief to say it goes against the department's core values, maybe there's something there that would say, hey, the officer was not justified in his shooting. And keep in mind, for a chief to go on record and say, hey, I gave you misinformation. I was wrong. The vehicle was not backing up in an aggressive manner. And this does go against our core policies. Maybe there's something there to say, hey, this officer was wrong. I'm not Monday morning quarterbacking anything. I was not there. I don't know. Don't know how I'd react in that situation. Have I been in that situation? Absolutely. Have I had to pull the trigger? Absolutely not. But every situation is different. So we just have to wait for this investigation to run its course. I'm curious to see how this is going to unfold. I'm curious to see if there's going to be protest, if there's going to be riots, or if people have realized, hey, let investigators do their job. Let the case be investigated before you rush to judgment. As it stands right now, police have not released the name or race of the officer uh, that did the shooting. Again, he was the only officer that shot into the vehicle. He shot multiple times, apparently with the rifle. I'm not exactly sure why this officer was armed with a rifle. Uh, but I can tell you from personal experience, the only time I'd bring my shotgun out was if I was dealing with a very large crowd. And I believed we were going to be outgunned. And you don't want to bring your Glock 40 to a gunfight where people have long rifles, automatic weapons, things of that nature. There was some report of uh, gunshots at this party. So I'm thinking maybe that's why the officer brought out this rifle. Again, I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't want to Monday morning quarterback this. But a lot of questions still re regarding the death of Jordan Edwards. And I just ask that everyone wait for the investigation to be complete and let the law run its course. Now, if the chief is saying something is amiss, maybe there's something amiss and we need to wait for that to be revealed. Now, I want to talk about another shooting. This occurred in Detroit, and I'm sure this story won't get as much traction as Jordan Edwards, as tragic as that was. Uh, because the individual shot in Detroit was a Detroit uh, police officer. He was uh, responding. He and his partner were responding to a domestic violence call. And I've said a hundred times that is the most dangerous call a police officer 
could ever go on next to a traffic stop. Uh, they knocked on the door and a man armed with the 380 pistol began shooting. He struck this officer in the head. The officer, as of right now, is still in critical condition in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, the officer that was shot and his partner amazingly were able to return fire and the suspect later died. Ironically, the suspect had nothing to do apparently with the domestic violence incident. So I'm curious as to why he shot at these officers. Was he wanted by police? Was there something in the house he didn't want police to find? Right now, we don't know, but it's just an awful reminder of the dangers of policing. And, you know, police get a lot of slack every day. They're beat up in the news. They're beat up in the media. They're beat up on social media. But no one seems to remember the dangers of policing, right? These two officers knock on the door like they've probably done a hundred times before, like they probably did 10 times that day. And one officer is shot in the head in critical condition. The other officer who's only been on the department for six months now has this in his brain that his partner was shot. Not only was his partner shot, that it very easily could have been him as well that was shot. The dangers of policing. It's real. It's not a movie where you get to do retakes. It's not a movie where the officer gets shot and they just return fire and bam, they're chasing the bad guy down the street and bam, they're back to work the next day because it's Hollywood. This isn't a movie. This officer was shot in the head. He's in critical condition. Let's say he survives. How long do you think his recovery will be? It won't be the next day like you see in the TV. How well do you think he'll be able to function? He won't be out laughing and joking for quite a while. He was shot in the head. Just right after knocking on a door. Do you think the FedEx guy worries about being shot in the head for ringing the doorbell or knocking on the door? Or the postman? Do you think they worry about being shot when knocking on the door? No, they don't because it's not a danger of their job. They may worry about a little dog biting them on the ankle, but they don't worry about being shot in the head for knocking on the door, doing their job. But police have to think about this and worry about this every day. It's the dangers of policing. Corporal Stephen Ballard learned the dangers of policing up in Delaware, the state trooper that was shot and killed when he was investigating two suspicious people at a convenience store. The passenger jumped out of the car, shot him. He fell to the ground. He tried to get cover. The suspect Chased him, shot him again several times while he was on the ground. He later died. Then the suspect fled to his home, barricaded himself in the home. Guess what? He shot at police. He shot at police several times. When he came out armed with the gun, he shot at police. The dangers of policing. It's real. It's not Hollywood. It's not lights, camera, action, cut. 
There's not several takes. There's one take when you're doing this job of policing. And in that split second, even though in this day and age, there's always cameras, right? Not Hollywood cameras, though. In that split second that the officer has to make a decision, it could end their life. The dangers of policing. And that takes me into my 10-7 segment for tonight, since we're speaking on the dangers of policing. Deputy Sheriff Mark Burbridge was shot and killed inside a county jail in Council Bluffs, Iowa, as he and another deputy returned two inmates to jail after a court appearance. As the deputies began to take the inmates into the jail, one of the inmates attacked them. The inmate was able to disarm one of the officers and shot both of them. He then stole the transport van and fled from jail. He shot a citizen nearby when he attempted to carjack the man. He then kidnapped another woman and forced her to drive in her vehicle. The subject was located by Omaha, Nebraska police officers after releasing the woman. He was taken into custody following a high-speed pursuit, and he was charged with numerous felonies. Now, this guy had just received a 55-year sentence for murder. The dangers of policing. Here they are taking this prisoner to jail who was just given 55 years to serve for another murder. And what does he do? He murders a police officer. The dangers of policing are real. Regardless of what you see in the news, regardless of how police are portrayed in this country, the dangers of policing are real. And look no further than this deputy who was shot and killed by assumingly his own gun by a suspect who was able to attack two officers and shoot at both of them. The dangers of policing. To Deputy Burbridge, my prayers to your family. Thank you for your service to your community for the last 12 years at that sheriff's department. I want to thank my loyal listeners for listening to me tonight on Beyond the Badge. And I will see you next week, same time, same place, right here, RadioInfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a Dangerous Conversation with Scott Ledger, Quick Fix on Radio Influence. The only thing I have to say when it comes to advice is seek your own truth, make up your own mind, and don't be afraid of a little confrontation, especially if you come well-informed. Don't take it out on the person. Don't try to be mean-spirited, but stand your ground. If you're backed up by science, facts, information, and history, you're going to be a real tough debater. And it does change one person at a time. That's how it happens. I have quite a few old school Republican right leaners that were completely war hawk 
that are now looking into Libya, now that are now looking into Syria. They're just, I'm like, hey, when's this shit going to end? You know what? I've been thinking about stuff. I watched that documentary you sent me. Hopefully you have a couple people in your life that you're affecting. And the best thing to do is never tell them anything. Just ask them a question. Did you know how fast Building 7 felt? Yeah. No. How From the beginning of its collapse to when it hit the ground, completely hit the ground. Do you know how fast that was? What's Building 7? I gotta go. See ya. Set them on their own curiosity red pill moment. Now, they're either going to want to or they won't, but you're never going to sway them one way or the other. When I first started doing DC, I got a ton of hate mail. You know what I get now? Crickets. So, inform yourself. Know what you're talking about. Be able to throw history or... You know, what I do is I take four-star generals confessing about minerals in Afghanistan, and I just send them a two-minute video. Because they're all war, 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 military. I served 20 years. I go, well, there's a four-star general that says we're there for the minerals. Crickets. Facts and science and history. Well, history does lie, but. Facts and Science Todd. Dangerous Conversation with Scott Ledger can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and RadioInfluence.com.